Should we introduce the champion now? It's a royalty. Royalty, absolute sporting royalty. And now he's, he's landed in Montrose, which is brilliant. And I cannot wait for season 2022. And that is a five-time premiership player for the Hawthorne Football Club, two-time Norm Smith medalist. We say good evening to Gary Ayres. G'day, mate. Uh, g'day, guys. How are we? Oh, Thanks for having well. me on. Well, thank you for joining us. I was, well, we were just chatting before that um, we were hearing you on our way in, so we've come in second, but that's <laughs> that's OK. No, that's a, it's a good second, put it that way, guys. So more than happy to come on in uh, this wonderful uh, part of the woods in relation to the Arrow Valley. So all good and happy to have a chat. Well, why Montrose, mate? I'm sure you would have had lots of offers, uh, given that your time in football and uh, everything. But um, why Montrose? Oh, well... I'm only about six minutes by car from uh, <laughs> from Montrose, so that's always a good start. And I think it was very easy for me to know the theme song because it's the same song as the uh, the Mighty Port Melbourne. So uh, <laughs> there's two good reasons, but no, it, all jokes aside, it was the professionalism that the guys showed throughout the conversations that we had, uh, the growth that I see. Clearly, we're in first division as we speak now, but with the goal of becoming a a premier division team clearly there's a, a good junior program I believe that can certainly give the club if we can grow our junior competition sustained success and that's what everyone is chasing and I guess the challenge and clearly they've experienced uh, premiership success before albeit at a sort of different level and clearly sort of thereabouts this year uh, before COVID affected obviously the, the ending of the season so and I think all around the, the opportunity that's been presented I was excited about so and very much looking forward to being involved with a group of young men that hopefully I can help get better. Yeah Gary it's uh, was the house right here uh, do you know much about the league the transition from that sort of first division to premier or in the old days it was second division to first division I know Montrose has made that jump before it's just the, the sustainability or it's the next few years after to consolidate it's, it's always been very hard to sort of keep cracking the top four or the top level is that something that was discussed and or oh, you're not looking that far ahead Oh, no, you always have one eye on the future, I believe, but you've clearly got to lay the foundations for sustained success. And as we all know, it's never easy and there's opportunities that will be presented. And again, clearly we need that growth to come from our juniors. It's better financially for that to occur, the, the point system and where we would like to go into the future. But I've always had a little bit of an understanding of the Eastern Football League being involved with Port Melbourne since the development competition finished way back at the end of 2017. Clearly, where do your players go if they're not playing for your senior team as to a home club, as we call it? And I've got a little bit of an understanding of that throughout the last uh, three years. Clearly, they've been impacted by COVID and we've only played nine games in two years but I guess I've also picked the brains of both Rodney Eade who's clearly the, the coach out of Ballwood in the Premier and um, Robin Nahas who was an assistant coach of mine uh, Premiership player in 2017 and I'd coached him previously way back in 2008 and he's currently at North Ringwood so having their experience and giving me a little bit of a background did make it a little bit easier but clearly until you roll your sleeves up and get involved you don't really know but I think football clubs are all very similar in that they want to be successful and 
if there's that opportunity to be able to go up a better division, you've got a plan for that clearly. And that's why I'm keen to see sustained success at Montrose. Now, on a personal level, you've been involved in footy for a long time and you've clearly got a, a love of the game. Are you a romantic about footy? Do you, do you see the romantic side of things that, say, a, a viewer would see? I think so. And clearly, I started out on this journey a long, long time ago and I'm probably showing my age here anyway, but I've walked in at Hawthorne as a 17-year-old skinny kid way back in 1978 from the Trove Valley as it was then. Uh, from a little country town, Warrigal, and my father was a local copper and he'd sort of been transferred around the local area. And then here we are some sort of 42 years later that uh, I've just been installed as the head coach of Montrose. So, yeah, I think I have seen the romantic side of footy and I've been involved with a lot of different people at different levels. But having said that, it's the relationship that you build. Uh, The success is always nice to sort of think there's been some sort of influence but a coach is only as good as his players and those relationships and I guess the ability to nurture that, communicate and hopefully see young men achieve some of the successes that I was lucky enough to achieve that gives me a lot of joy and we're hoping that there's some of that around the corner Now you, you said you were a 17 year old skinny kid, we just uh, spoke to David Wirrapundo and he was a uh, 16 year old skinny kid that went to West Coast and they gave him a five-bedroom house on his own Scarver. at 16. They didn't even give him a host family or anything. What, surely you got it a little bit better than that? Oh, no. Well, actually, I didn't have a licence when I first went down to Hawthorne. So at 17, I had to tram and train it everywhere and I sort of walked, uh, worked at the Glenferry Oval as a curator and a curator I didn't know a lot. Yeah, I could drive a tractor and uh, knew a little bit about grass and stuff like that, but I didn't realise how many stops there were along Glenferry Road and I lived <laughs> with my uh, auntie and uncle out at Springvale, so no, I didn't get a five-bedroom house. And, uh, <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't even think I've had a five-bedroom house along the journey either, so uh, I think David got a good deal. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> We talk about um, the Alex here, Ezzy. We talk about the romantic side of footy, but what about, I guess, the, the less, uh, unro- the, the more unromantic side of it, I guess the uglier side of it? Um, how did the sort of exit with Port Melbourne go about? Obviously, it's been such a big part of your life. Um, you know, you've nearly ended up spending time there as much as you did at Hawthorne playing. So how did that all sort of come to an end? And what are your sort of feelings, I guess, now that that chapter's closed? Yeah, that's a good question, Alex. Actually, 14 years is what I was there, and I was 16 years at um, at Hawthorne, and I basically grew up there, I guess, so from 17 to almost 33, and that helped shape me, who I have become as a person, and Alan Jeans was a, sh- a huge influence in my life, as well as, obviously, from a footballing point of view. And then what you do realise pretty quickly, though, is it's... Football clubs are almost like a conveyor belt. You'll jump on at some stage and then clearly you'll jump off and it's just a matter of those joining the dots in the timeline in between. So I had 14 years at Port. Clearly there was 12 completed seasons and there's only been nine games, as mentioned, in the last two. It was something that I wanted to keep doing, but you've also got to abide by the umpire's decision, so to speak, and that's always that I'm answerable to a board and there was the possibility of offering me a 
a 20-hour-a-week job, which was sort of assisting in the men's and women's program and also to having an opportunity to become a, a bit more involved in the marketing side of the football club. But as mentioned before, I've still got a passion to coach and it's something that I wanted to do. And when it came to an end, I reckon I've developed a pretty thick skin over the years in football and you've just got to get on with what you know you can and, and control and clearly there are things that you can't and that decision was out of my hands even though I still wanted to stay. So I reckon I've moved on pretty quickly and happy clearly with the decision that I've made to be involved with the Montrose Footy Club. In terms of your time in the VFL, Airsies, obviously saw a lot of changes, teams coming in and out, standalones, you know, teams forming um, relationships with each other. What do you sort of see the the future of the VFL heading now? We saw Aspley obviously couldn't stay in this year despite the expansion um, interstate. What do you sort of see it going ahead as forward in the future? Yeah, it's a real difficult one to say. Who would have thought that when they made the decision that it would become an expanded competition that would go from 15 to 22? And, of course, that would, I guess, have to have interstate travel clearly in the current situation. We just haven't been able to do that. So that has had its setbacks. I guess I understood why they wanted to have a, a bigger competition. And I've always tried to look at the glass half full than empty and try and try things because if it's for the betterment of any situation I'm all for that. It's just that unfortunately we're fighting the pandemic and we're probably not fighting it as well as uh, we would like at this current situation but there has been a lot of change and where is it going towards? It's becoming more about I guess the AFL influenced organisations and they've taken that really serious because they would prefer their AFL, VFL teams to be playing finals because that gives them then the opportunity to have good depth and their guys who aren't playing finals footy with their senior team can come back and play finals for their VFL program. So I've always felt that there is a, a great opportunity though for the standalone teams to play. When I first went to Port Melbourne, it was pretty much mentioned and spoken about that a VFL standalone team couldn't win a flag. Well, We've done two of those in the last 10 years and uh, Williamstown won one, I think, in 2015. So clearly, if it's handled correctly, each model can work because the premierships would say that. But I think there's some interesting times ahead. And as you've already pointed out, Ashley have only had one year and now they're out. Does that mean there could be other clubs? Not really sure. Uh, there's a lot of, I guess, bent now being placed on development numbers within the organisation. I think that is a good thing, but it probably compromises your selection criteria just a little bit. But again, one year and only nine games in two years, to be honest, is a little bit hard to say what the sample size is. It's really small, so hopefully next year we can see a little bit more by having a, a good home and away season and get a little bit more information about it. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the premierships, and I think one of my all-time favourite VFL stories is the saga of the 2011 Premiership Cup, and I've heard that it's just recently rocked back up at the club. <laughs> Come inside with you, leaving easy. Oh, well, that's right. <laughs> I, uh, gave it back. Uh, I know you won't tell any of the listeners that I actually hit it here for a little while and then had to give it back, so we'll keep, we'll keep that a quiet. But no, it was, it was funny. There'd been certainly... 
previous CEOs that were going to make it their charter to actually find it. And anyway, it just rocked up one day at the football club in a, uh, a box that had uh, bubble wrap around it. So, um, uh, <laughs> and it was great to see it because clearly it meant so much to a lot of people. And the Premiers and Champions, look, there's been some amazing Port Melbourne Premiership teams over the years. Gary Bryce had the, the three in a row and, of course, Norm Brown and there's just been some amazing culture and amazing success and clearly 17 flags they're the, the best performing team in the VFA VFL and that's a credit to everyone but it was great to actually see it for sure before I walked out the door and I know that we're going to have a reunion but COVID knocked that on the head so it'll be nice whenever we get around to it to have the, the cup right where it needs to be so yeah great little find by whoever found it oh, very good uh, Gary I'm just getting a text through from a, uh, a bloke I know who plays down at Montrose he's, he's in the twos um, I've just got to read I haven't read it yet I'm just sort of reading out sorry I uh, was it's Cam Felstead here uh, can you ask Gary what he likes to drink I'm thinking on the first time I meet him I, uh, I'll give him a bottle of something that may enhance my chances uh, don't don't read this out on air. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> what do you drink? <laughs> what are you drinking, guys? Uh, well, if he's interested, he can uh, rock up with a nice bottle of Shiraz, and that might go down well with selection for me. I think you're going to end up with 22 <laughs> bottles now. Oh uh, well, I'll never knock it back if it's good Shiraz. No, very very good. Um, now, as he, you coach, um, it seems nearly 500 games. Has there been a perfect? game of coaching by you? Like, have you tried to model yourself on trying to coach the perfect game? And if you have, um, which was it? I can't say that I've actually coached the perfect game, but I've had the perfect season with 21 straight wins, yeah. but that's <laughs> certainly only become very much. And I've always thought this anyway. The coach on match day is purely the navigator of a ship and he's just doing some guidance from ground level. Sometimes you think you have some sort of influence and other times they think you're a raving lunatic. So I have always said it's the players that make the coaches and not necessarily the other way around. So I... Uh, I've probably had big wins, maybe 125-point wins over the journey of Port Melbourne with an unbelievably talented team. So I think as a coach, and this is what drives you, you're never, ever satisfied with uh, what you've done that particular game or the previous week. You're always trying to find perfection, and it is very, very hard to find clearly, guys, because we don't live in a perfect team. So I can say... It's been a perfect season, but not necessarily have I ever coached what I believe is a perfect game. Yeah, no, fair enough. And just with one name, I was just want to... You, you coached him um, at Geelong, uh, Gary Ablett Senior. Um, what was he like to coach? He was unique. He had his own, certainly, mannerisms and, uh, I guess, desires, wants about how he thought he should train. And, <laughs> but from Did a, they agree with yours? Game, not all the time, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that was a little bit of uh, individual management and communication. And look, I didn't always get it right, I can guarantee that. But explosive, talented, he, he's a, probably a little bit like the Dusty Martin type player now in that, OK, we know it was a different position on the ground, a forward versus where Dusty plays midfield forward. But they could just sense, and I think both of them have got characteristic traits in that they could sense the moment and then they could control the moment and let them not, not the moment control them and clearly I think in my first year Gary kicked 125 goals so 
that wasn't a bad little outing over the season, although I did think he wrote a book and said I ruined his Christmas. I made him train a couple of times a week, yeah. I think, pre-Christmas. So, um, How dare you? But, uh, amazing, all-time great. And unfortunately, never got the taste uh, premiership success, but clearly is up there as one of the all-time best. Yeah, well, a couple of the Montrose boys are, are listening. What do you what do you say? Let's go with three non-negotiables that they better be uh, having their back pocket right now before pre-season. Don't place any restrictions on how good you can and can't be. And certainly, I always believe that we can improve. And probably number three would be make sure you turn up the training more often than not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you've got nothing to do with the hair. You know, no one needs to rock up in a mullet, <laughs> Gary? <laughs> no, well, the old mullet days are gone, guys. Well, they're coming back by looks of things. this way, mate. You yeah, to... you'll be shocked, yeah. mate. Uh, yeah, I couldn't roll with a silver mullet, I think. So <laughs> I'm doing the sort of the shorter cropped look. But I uh, did a little um, thing on the front bar a number of weeks ago, and certainly they were wanting to induct me in the uh, Hall of Fame for mullets, and I think I might have come in the top half dozen. So uh, happy to see it now. It does remind me of what was going on back in the sort of 80s and early 90s, but I tell you what, some of them needed just a little bit more work with some of them. I think uh, the style needs to improve just a little bit with some of them. Gary, are you, are you a little overwhelmed by, I mean, you might not know it, but how excited we are out this way that you're coming out to coach local and that there's already talk, I'm going down there, I might want to play there, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of going down there, I want to listen to him, I want to get in the huddle at quarter time. Is that is, is that exciting or...? Oh, definitely. It's also too quite humbling as well and really I think we're all, all aware that our game is obviously an emotional environment for a couple of hours and you've got to be aware of that but again if it actually means that we can grow our our Eastern Football League first division and it's pretty hard when you've got City Hall that play every Thursday night or Friday night or, or Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday, Sunday twilight so any sort of interest I think can only be great for the competition and as I'm sure you know our football game is one of the best sports that you can ever play and clearly the the competition owners if you like which is uh, the AFL Commission they've seen that now young girls can be able to play our great game and there's been growth in that area as well so I just couldn't imagine a, a environment that didn't have football in it and we probably saw it last year clearly because there was no football played at all but it does mean so much to so many people it's a way of interacting it's a way of being able to support your local community club it's a, a day out people can vent their frustrations they can enjoy the successes they can have a drink together and I think quite clearly we've missed that over the last 18 months so yeah, let's hope that we can just uh, grow our interest and just get back to knowing our football on the weekends as to what it once was. Yeah, yeah. and I'm right, sure right. from buying stock, we'll buy it right on Montrose Footy Club because as you as the head coach, mate, I'm sure it's onwards and upwards for them and it should be a fantastic... Hey, mate... 100 years, 100 years. 100 years next yep. year yeah. as well, so we'll be right across that on this little program. Hey, mate, don't be a stranger to us, um, but uh, thank you so much for your time and um, good luck with... Uh, uh, your first few uh, months as, um, yeah, the Montrose head coach. Oh, I look forward to it, guys. Thanks for your interest and, yeah, very happy to get on whenever you need a bit of a shout-out. So thanks very much.